you're listening to another episode of Cloud and Clear, SADA's Cloud Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Rowan Manson, and today we are pleased to welcome Carrie Brady, VP of Strategic Partnerships at Humu to the show. Now, before we get started, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel on your favorite listening or viewing platform of choice to stay up to date on the latest Cloud and Clear episodes from SADA. So with that out of the way, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you, happy to be here. Awesome, we're happy to have you too. So, you know, I'm particularly excited about our conversation today because, well, I think a lot of the topics that we have uh, on Cloud and Clear are typically geared towards maybe being more heavy on the technical or tooling side. And from what I understand about Humu, it's all about taking technology and making it about people, right? You're exactly right. I joined Humu about seven months ago after 11 years at Google, because I was so drawn to the mission and the impact that Humu can have on people and organizations that have struggled to achieve their change goals. I don't care what anyone says, change is hard. And we all get into routines and habits that bring us comfort and efficiency. So it takes a lot to persuade change, no matter what the logical benefit. And people need to change in order for organizations to change. So it all really just builds on itself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's so easy to let routine rule days, which then become weeks and then become months, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, a little personal story. So I lived and worked in Europe for about three years when I was with Google. And I found the decision to move there, a massive decision that changed everything in my life. I mean, my home, my transportation, my currency, my food my team, but those really big decisions in lifetimes are few and far between. So of course, not long after being there, um, I found a new routine and new habits, and I think it all has its pros and cons. So after about a year, I started something called 30 day challenges. And every month I'd pick something new to do for that month um, that would make me uncomfortable. So this isn't rocket science but it was something like I would walk to work every day, no matter what the weather. And in London, you know, that's a commitment. Um, I give $5 to someone new every day, or I'd wake up in the morning and send a nice note to someone new every morning. So it just stretched me a little bit and got me used to change. And of course this was pre-Humu, but it really prepared me for the work that we do here which is really about these small incremental changes that just lead to big results. Absolutely. Well, I certainly know the feeling of moving to a different continent two and a half years ago. I, I did the same thing and moved from uh, Scotland, where I come from originally, to Canada. Right. So yeah, I'm definitely, I can relate very much to that. But in terms of um, organizations, how do you think the idea of these small changes leading to bigger um, sort of results come to life for these larger organizations? Well, here's what we found at Humu. So two things, big changes most commonly take small incremental actions in order to be sustainable. And, and that's really what nudge theory is all about. The second thing is you have to think about where it matters most. And we found that to be managers. Managers are the death and lifeline of almost every organization. Yeah, I would love for you to tell me more. What have you learned specifically about the impact of the managers? We all know it's really hard to align globally on anything, especially when you think about culture or corporate values. So what we found is that managers really matter here. And I mean, like, they matter twice as much 
which means they can really make or break your culture. So ask anyone that's had a bad manager, you and I included, and it's hard. Um, the research shows us that around 17% of managers are ineffective. So if you think about that, that's about one in five, which then translates to direct reports, which tend to be somewhere around seven to 10, which translates to lower engagement and higher turnover and financial impacts. Um, and managers themselves are under a ton of pressure. And I think there's a much bigger gap now between good managers and bad managers, and it's really getting bigger. So if you think about it, there's been the layoffs. Um, the whole premise of like, what got me here as a manager won't necessarily keep me here. And I think there's really high expectations on managers to be both emotionally um, connected, but also very results driven. Absolutely. Well, I'm keen to dig in a little bit more on that later. But first, what are the indicators, would you say, from your research and your findings in terms of maybe what makes a good manager versus a bad manager? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the data shows us that communication, connection, and growth are critical for managers to engage their teams. Um, bad managers do things like provide poor visibility into the future or don't look for various point of views, um, or they give feedback that's subjective and not actionable. Great managers, on the other hand, uh, provide a sense of purpose, they create trust amongst their teams, and look for growth and learning opportunities. Absolutely. They are wonderful things, but I guess not so easy or, or not easy to do when you're under so much pressure as a manager to perform. Yeah. It's, it's a tough balancing act, right? It's so true. I mean, employees expect social and emotional skills and structure and connection, and what gets financially rewarded are things like objectivity, assertiveness, drive, and you can have both. So we took a survey of about 80,000 employees and we recorded what they felt was most important for top managers that they worked with. Um, the results were things like, they make me feel valued, um, they get me, they care. And remember, now that's about 20% of the organization that's doing it right. So when it comes into helping the other 20% or the average managers improve, that's where Humu comes in. And we send these science-backed behavioral change nudges that can encourage the behavior to do better. And we do it in a, right, a way that's right for you, for your goals, for your team. Um, if you've read Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, you know it's almost like the theory, instead of losing weight, which is sort of what Atomic Habits focus on, it's more about nudging behaviors that make you more connected or try to drive innovation or create a culture that's much more open-minded. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, from our work at SADA, I can again relate to that firsthand. When, when we evaluate helping a customer move from, say, Microsoft to Google Workspace, right. we encourage the people in that organization to use it as an opportunity to kind of reset their relationship with technology and use it as a, a kind of way to go forward with the intention of continuous improvement and engagement with the tools. Um, and we know that can have a massive impact over the long run. So it sounds like Humu is very much on, along that idea of sort of continuous improvement, Brit driving big results in the end. Right. Listen, I mean, we talked about it. Change is hard. Um, it takes meaningful, small actions over time, and Humu can serve as that reminder um, and help you act differently. The data shows that training sessions, learning courses, um, 
you know, which you you would have with SADA and making some of those transitions with Google and Microsoft. But over a six to nine month period, we typically find that people go back to their old habits. So Humu can reinforce those behaviors that you're trying to, to really push on an organization. Absolutely. So I'm keen to know more about the product itself. Tell me about um, the nudge engine. Um, so how would it know necessarily what to send to me versus maybe my colleague or boss, for example? Right. Good question. So we take signals from HRIS, from survey data, um, feedback, personal goals, work style quizzes, corporate objectives, and we feed all that into what we call our nudge engine. So then based on some AI and ML tools, it decides what nudges are most relevant for you as an individual. And then based on new data that we get or interactions that you have with those nudges, it starts to learn over time what's the most effective and it optimizes for that. So it's not about calendar reminders or creepy listening tools. Um, these are science-backed behavioral change prompts. And our behavioral science team and our product teams are top-notch. They have spent six years developing and improving this technology. Wow. Well, that sounds incredibly valuable and perhaps particularly important right now as organizations are trying to do more with less. Absolutely. And here's the second thing I'll share. Like, Doing it with others is way better than doing it alone. So I got into partnerships because I love sales and I loved understanding products and partnerships was a way to marry those and scale both. And I think no company or person can really do it alone in this economic climate. And you have to think about ways to scale and gain efficiency. I think the game used to be about revenue and now I believe the future is really about profitability and how amazing companies can collaborate with other amazing companies to leverage best of breed. As people and companies, we both have to, we have to think about um, doing a better job of knowing what we're really good at and the strategic awareness to be creative and building those ecosystems to benefit others. Um, you know, I think CEOs have looked for a long time for top talent um, in sales leadership. And now I think companies really need to think about hiring top talent to grow their ecosystem. It's easy to forget how powerful we can be when we focus on these right collaborations and less of having that control in-house. Absolutely. So, I mean, I have to ask the question, whilst you discuss partnerships, why did you decide to go all in on the Google and SADA partnership? Yeah, well, as I mentioned earlier, I spent 11 years at Google. Um, the entire time I was at Google, I was in the Google Cloud space. And early days of Google, there were about 200 people globally in our organization. The org when I left it was at least 100x that. Um, so those early days of Google, we were selling software as a service against Microsoft, which was a huge endeavor. And at the time, there was only a handful of very loyal partners that were willing to bet their business on us versus this you know, beast that was Microsoft and had been in the business for so long. Um, Sada was one of them. And to me, there was a very clear choice on who to partner with when I came to Humu. And of course, like I know Tony and Adam and Miles and the team at Sada is exceptional. Fantastic. That is absolutely wonderful to hear. So final question, is there anything exciting that you have maybe planned for the future or coming down the pipeline for the product perhaps? You know, I've been thinking a lot about retention. 
lately. And I think it's a really big topic at the moment. And I'm starting to think the whole concept of retention, we just have it wrong. So a friend of mine, Steve Cadigan, he talks about um, flipping the script. And maybe it's not about retaining or holding on to employees as long as possible, but maybe it's about creating the best environment for a more mutual benefit. And what I mean by that is if it means celebrating someone leaving, then we should do that. And I think if we treat people right, then your alumni network can become your biggest customer advocates. So I went to the University of Michigan. I played Division One soccer, and our alumni network is amazing. Uh, we all love Michigan, and we recommend it to anyone. So it just has made me think, why aren't we like that with former employers or um, employees? And as a leader, are we creating the environment where we expect people to stay forever or just at least until we're ready for them to leave? Um, you know, I just think that relationship can be different. And I think it's going to force us as leaders to do a lot of things differently. Um, and I just think the traditional view of retention is not working. So this is just something that I'm thinking about a lot. Fantastic. Wonderful insights. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie. I'm, I want to ask, where can anyone watching or listening learn a bit more about Humu? Yeah, absolutely. Um, best place is to visit us at our website at humu.com. That's H-U-M-U.com. And you can look at our product and case studies that we have. And we'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. Well, folks, make sure to like and subscribe to our show as this year we'll be offering exclusive insights from leaders like Carrie, and you won't want to miss it. We'll see you next time on Cloud and Clear. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.